Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcast. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 29. Yeah. Nightwatch. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what happens in Nightwatch? So, in Nightwatch, Vimes becomes his own mentor. That is what happens in Nightwatch. Yep. Good you job. Actually, you actually helped me with that one. I was going to say Vimes travels back in time and becomes his own mentor, which is very long. Well, this implies some shenanigans are afoot, because how could he become his own mentor? Yeah, without some kind of business. Right. Exactly. Business indeed. So. Time business. Now this, you have said. Yes. Is your favorite watch book. Yes. You hate time travel. Yes. You notoriously. As as someone who consumes large amounts of media mm-hmm. with you, large amounts of nerd media, sci-fi fantasy type things, it is a shock to me watching you give the big thumbs down to so many time loops, time paradoxes, Fuck all you, of that. Looper. And yet, you like this. I do. When something that I normally hate is done well, it makes me like it twice as much. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's like double enjoyment. It's uh there's um in the first season of Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. I came on to talk about that on Post Atomic Horror because that's another time loop thing that's done really well. And they very specifically undermined a lot of the things that they mm-hmm. do in that franchise very poorly. Like they they were aware of their own internal tropes. Right. And this one, um, I, I hate time loops. I hate them because I think it's tedious to watch but a second thing that i hate in time travel is the self-fulfilling prophecy thing yes like it was always going to have had happened that way no matter what then what's the point yes why am i throw this in the trash and bring me something else well over over on the post-atomic horror where we review star trek and we ran out of star trek to do for a bit so we reviewed some other stuff and uh one of the things we did was batman the animated series right. and there's an episode of that that i really like where it ends up being all a dream mm-hmm. and that's I wanted... one of your least favorite things i know and i, I along similar lines yeah. i chose that because that is a trope that i hate that that show handled very well so and the point that i wanted to make is just like you're making now is like when someone can take something that is so stale mm-hmm. and like not even just that it's stale, but I also hate it. You it's never too, liked it from the beginning, is I've what you're saying? I've never enjoyed. Okay. I've never enjoyed time loop stuff. I you don't really it. like time travel stories in general. Usually, whether not. it's loops or self fulfilling, you just don't like time travel. But particularly loops and self fulfilling prophecies. Those are probably my two like least. You most. like you like Doctor Who because it plays real loose with the rules. I liked Doctor Who. Okay, but I'm saying you grew up on it <laughs> yes. and you've enjoyed. A lot of it. And it's because it's more about the adventure and less about the mechanics of it, time travel. It doesn't travel. talk about time travel that much. It's like, and now we're back in time for some reason. Don't worry about it. Right. And I'm like, check. I won't. And this is basically like to jump right into it. This is your good thing. Yeah, my good thing is this is a time loop. Someone goes back in time. Vimes. Someone. It's not a secret. Right. <laughs> Vimes goes back in time uh, to like a formative period of his life, and he gets changed into the guy who helped train him, which is John Keel. Right. Which is a play on John Peel. Peel. Robert Peel. Robert Peel. Robert yeah, because Peel, the Bobbies. But, yeah, because the Peelers. Right. And the Bobbies, yeah. they were called later. Uh, so he becomes his own mentor and a bunch of like stuff happens to make him look more and more like John Keel. Right. Uh, but it all happens real quick 
Um, and Vimes realize what's, realizes what's happening that's, within... Like, that's where it breaks down for me, is any fantastic situation mm-hmm. where a character spends more than like a couple of pages getting to getting caught mm-hmm. up where I already am. Like, oh, let's just go. We all know. He realizes that he's back in the past within like a couple of pages. Yeah. And then he realizes he's becoming John Keel right. within 30. And like, then why he's there and how to yeah. get out of the situation almost immediately thereafter. It all follows really quickly so we can get on with it. Yeah. And it's not him spending his whole time trying to get back home. Now, what's weird to me is the book opens in mm-hmm. the present with the watch being mm-hmm. what it is now with, like, the whole cast of characters. Like and Carrot and Angua and everybody. Yeah, yeah. and Detroit. Like, but what I'm saying is, like, the watch with uh, dwarfs and trolls mm-hmm. and Igors now and, like, the most recent additions that we've seen. We right. have buggy squires. We have gargoyles. Like, we got all this. Th- and then we're at the university. Mm-hmm. And then once we're back in time... This could be a historical novel. There is, once you get him into the situation, there is no fantasy. There is almost no comedy. It's a, it's a super enjoyable mm-hmm. book, and there's levity where it fits. But we are so far from any other Discworld book here. This is a real departure. Yes. Uh, something that uh, happened after I read, because I read Nation uh-huh. um, before you did, and you asked me, uh, do you like it? And I said, it wasn't funny. And you said, so you hate Comedy's it. like a religion to me. Yeah. So I'm like, well, then it wasn't good. No, no, no. I liked it, but it wasn't funny. It took us a while to figure out that yeah. like, what you were communicating to me was not the same as what I was hearing. Uh, and this had, you're, you're right, it had moments of levity. There were jokes. Yeah. There was some stuff going on here, but largely it wasn't hugely funny. No, um, it, it felt like a serious story where the yeah. author understood that life has moments that are cute, but... Uh, it was and, a very serious story. And to release, release the tension. Yeah. Like, but to it let wasn't, the air out a little the, bit. The book's primary objective was not to be funny. No. Whereas most of the other books prior to this, they're, they're character-driven, the better ones, but they're still funny. But we're getting now more into a period where they aren't all as, like, jokey right. joke funny. Right. Um, and... It leads to some it's very different books. Yes. Like, it's just like he has several periods. Yes. And we're, we're entering into a new period of Terry Pratchett's work. But it's interesting to note that some of the still serious mm-hmm. and still character-driven books can still be very funny. Mm-hmm. Like recently-ish, we did Carpe Jugulum. Which God, is that a, was hilariously funny. Yes. Like the whole third mm-hmm. act of that was... Just fall on the ground laughing mm-hmm. hilarious, but... Still, after reading that yes. book like six or seven yeah. times, hilarious. And But it's it's still also a very serious mm-hmm. book inside Granny's head and getting like mm-hmm. the aging and, and all that stuff. And this one is not like that. No. And that's okay. It's just, it's... It takes, Tonally, it's very different. It, I didn't remember it being this serious. Mm-hmm. I remembered it being one of the more serious ones, but this was just like... It, it it gave me a little bit of whiplash at first, and not a bad thing. Just it, it's on me to adjust to that a little bit. It's also um, more sort of like Dodger, which is sort mm-hmm. of a semi-historical, mm-hmm. uh, some real characters, some characters from Dickens, like kind of... This very easily could have been a non-Discworld, yeah. non-Sam Vimes book, and it fits perfectly. Uh, I have some weird issues, and I don't care. I'm not that kind of right. nerd. I don't care how it fits chronologically. But broadly speaking, the Ankh-Morpork of the past is supposed to be more of a 
Middle Ages yeah. fantasy barbarian swarm bo- uh, city, and it's weird that we're in this more civilized place when it's we're back in color of magic times. Right. This feels more like uh, industrial revolutiony. I I would say Renaissance, yeah. or maybe just slightly before the Renaissance, but like definitely not the the period where fantasy takes mm-hmm. place. You know the the mythical but how ago we all, is this yeah yeah we all know what they mean it's not a literal time in history but it's still there are things in this book where there's a government and there's guilds and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that like when Rincewind came through in the early books it's like some of that stuff was kind of there but most of it was like this is a city in the sense that well in these books this is where the tavern is that's yeah, it <laughs> in these books uh the sort of change happens when Vetinari takes over yes up to this point is we thought that everything was sort of just like conan times yeah. until Vetinari took over and i always accepted that yeah but here we are 20 30 years i don't know if they yeah. ever give it a and number and it, they don't need to give it a number it kind of also makes sense because Vetinari is your machiavellian yes. prince yes who is bringing us from the dark ages into renaissance times right. and from there to the industrial yeah. revolution exactly but and again I don't obsess over that. I don't care. And also, the book almost immediately prior to this one hand-waved all of that away Mm -hmm. by saying there are monks who piece together time, which is fragmented because of... Everything's a mess. ...a couple of apocalyptic events and also just general magic and quantum and shut up. I also like... That's fine. ...this happened because of Peace of Time. Yes. I love that the lightning striking Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy's clock Mm -hmm. is what actually sends it. And everyone thinks it's what happens at the university Mm -hmm. and magic books and whatever. And maybe that's a factor. But I like that you don't have to have read that book to get it. But it's there. And it's kind of a nice. And that's we have um, the history monks come back into this. Mutze is a character. Yes. And so he feels responsible for Vimes going back in time and wants to help him because it's kind of his fault that that all happened. Also, he's been in the, the city in the present and while they try to be objective and say look we we don't make sure the right people right. die we don't like we don't make Lutze history say does a little bit though the thing is they kind of implied that they know vimes needs to live and needs to be around and needs to take care of things so you know and the same thing happens that happened in um thief of time where the abbot wink wink knows that lutze is up to this as Uh long as the abbot doesn't have to know that lutze is up to this right very good it is and again you don't have to have read that book to get it but it's it adds a layer which i like something i noticed with this book and i've noticed it about Mm -hmm. a lot of terry pratchett books it doesn't bother me but there's hardly ever a sense of urgency mm-hmm. or stakes. I knew, ignoring the fact that I've read this book before, right. I knew everything was going to be fine. Right. I knew because self-fulfilling prophecy, because whatever, he was going to get back home and everything was going to be fine. And that was never Vimes a problem. Vimes was never in danger. I wasn't worried Vimes was going to die. That's the thing. At no point did I think history was going to change, mm-hmm. really. Did I think he was going to kill young Sam? Anything like uh, Mm -hmm. the guy he was chasing, which we'll get into in a minute. Any of that. And normally that would really bother me. It's like, well, what's the point? There was no real, like there was conflict, but it was all sort of already sorted. You you understand what I'm saying? Read these for a couple, like I read the Terry Pratchett books for a couple of different reasons. Uh, They're funny. Like it's enjoyable to read. The characters are fun to watch run around i enjoy the characters largely and a lot of them also feel like 
when I was going to school for philosophy, mm-hmm. you would read these stories that were like the stories were good on their own. Like you can enjoy them as stories, but they also introduced philosophical ideas. Sure. And that was sort of the point of them. The point of them wasn't to be a good story. And some of them were abysmally bad and unreadable. Right. But when you got one that was good, that had a good sense of character and pacing. Yeah. Like an allegory. But the point of it was, Hey, this is what utilitarianism Mm -hmm. is. Um, It was a very engaging way to bring you in. And I think of Terry Pratchett that way too. Well, his later books, for sure. Yeah. This is absolutely one. He's got that very secular humanist mm-hmm. way of looking at things. He's got that real common sense. Like, there's a lot of talk about what the people want mm-hmm. and a lot of good discussion about Vimes. I, I wish I had highlighted this and mm-hmm. I hadn't. Uh, but he talks about how he's never met the people. Mm-hmm. He's just met one person and one person and one person. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same as the people that everyone talks about and that kind of thing. And some of it rang a little like I don't entirely agree with this, but a lot of it was like, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. There's some stuff in this that I, like, I love this book and I loved reading it, but there's definitely some stuff in this book that's not necessarily like my bad thing, but some things that that rang a little weird. Like there's a bit where um, uh, the current patrician Mm -hmm. uh, has uh, taken away weapons from like people yes and uh then it turns out that the only people who have weapons are yes. all the criminal when guns are outlawed yeah etc uh-huh. and it felt like a very sort of pro gun thing which yes. was weird yes. to read from terry pratchett i have absolutely no idea what his stance on that is i i don't know either and maybe it's just vimes's mm-hmm. like maybe we're reading too much into author intent and maybe he's just giving vimes but the lifelong cop vimes is our protagonist yes and we are largely the book's perspective is largely that vimes is in the right but maybe not so much in this book but definitely in some other Mm -hmm. vimes books he's not always right and he doesn't always do exactly the right thing his heart's usually in the right place but for instance the fact that he full-on entertains the notion of just staying in the past and Mm -hmm. abandoning his wife and kid and that's okay the fact that She's like his fourth thought. Mm-hmm. Like that's horrible. That's that, you're not a good person, Sam. But on the other hand, he's a he's a noble person, and he's a like he's a, doing his best. He's doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but also, oh, you piece of shit. And he, but largely, you know, we are expected to kind of go along with his point of view, not a hundred percent. No, and that felt that rang a little that rang a little odd. But with all of these, and mm-hmm. we always talk about mm-hmm. this. We always talk about. I've I've said this a hundred times, like the fantasy is that the cops are good, but also this takes a hard stance there. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what corrupt official is in charge. We're on the side of the law and justice and all right. that. And that's, that's great in principle, but it, that's not how it works. That's never how it works. And if you're going to talk about the people mm-hmm. and how individual people and all that stuff, it's weird that, but but for cops, it's different. We're okay. It's right. Like, no, no, you're all still people and you're all still flawed. And the Vimes thing has always been who watches, and this will be a big point in yep. Thud, which is my favorite watch book, who watches The Watchmen, I do. Right. Which, again, that's very good for a character it's in a, a good, book. It's so such good storytelling. Yes. But when it 
It breaks but down as allegory. Who needs to watch the police? It's everyone. They need body cams. That's why we talked about <laughs> yeah. this when we talked about the truth. Is yeah. I feel like that's part of the equation. That's not the whole equation, but that's part of it. A free press helps. Right. Like th- different things keep people accountable. And in these, it's just well, Sam Vimes is a good man, and he'll take care of it. And, and okay, but no. Uh, in real life, a person being a good person isn't enough. No. Uh, you, you, as well as being a good person, you need to do good action. And as well as that, you also need some oversight. Yes, of course. And he has none. None. He's never had any. Nope. And there's, there's a lot of talk in this about the beast. Mm -hmm. The beast. The beast. Which, um. It was almost named Nature of the Beast, this book was. Yes, apparently there was another book. That came out around the same time with that title. Nightwatch is a pretty good name for a book, but Nature of the Beast is better. Uh, Nightwatch is good because the cover art for Mm -hmm. this is based on a painting called Nightwatch. And it's like a parody cover. And it's one that the recently deceased Mm -hmm. uh, artist of some of the previous covers wanted to do. And the guy who took over for him did it to honor him. So there's a There's a nice history there. He like, oh, uh, this guy always wanted to do the Nightwatch cover. We can do that. Just call it Nightwatch. So like there's a... There's still something good in that, but yeah, it would and have been a better. Nightwatch isn't a bad because t- no, we're, because we're going back to Vimes. Yeah, he's roots. not the City Watch mm-hmm. now. He's just Nightwatch now. He's just like and the Nightwatch is where all the shitty guys who aren't good enough to be in the Day Watch go to. But again, going back to how ago is this? Mm-hmm. The the Vimes we come in on and the Nightwatch we come mm-hmm. in on was three guys, three guys and a dog. Yeah, yeah who had just lost the fourth guy. Yeah, and. Uh, were nothing and it's weird there's so many guys in this like he keeps naming Watchmen and we don't need to know them it's fine but it just felt like is this the same like and again I don't care that much I'm not gonna say well excuse me you got it, it wrong it could have been that the the previous patrician spent more money on like policing then the new patrician comes over and the budget gets slashed yeah like... and we see Lance Corporal Vimes joining like yeah. he's it's his first week Going ahead to when he's captain, again, 20, 30 years, I'm not entirely sure, but a long time from now, lots could happen. Yeah. It just, it felt like, is this, like, this is not what we were told when we met those guys who faced the dragon before. Right. But anyway, I was going to talk about the The beast beast. and and Vimes, like, there's a lot of good stuff, Uh, even though I don't agree with it as Mm -hmm. allegory necessarily, it's so good for his character, and this was actually my quote. fiction. Yes. Yeah. This is why I like Vimes so much, and this is a bit of a long one, but it's worth it. Vimes turned and looked at the squad, who'd needed, uh, who'd needed no prompting at all to hang back. Then he turned to look at the barricade. Where exactly was the law right now? What did he think he was doing? The job, of course, the one that's in front of you. He'd always done it, and the law had always been out there, but somewhere close. He'd always been pretty sure where it was. It definitely had something to do with the badge. The badge was important. Yes, it was shield-shaped for protection. He'd thought about that in the long nights in the darkness. It had protected him from the beast, because the beast was waiting in the darkness of his head. He'd killed werewolves with his bare hands. He'd been mad with terror at the time, but the beast had been there inside, giving him the strength. Who knew what evil lurked in the hearts of men? A copper, that's who. After ten years, you thought you'd seen it all, but the shadows always dished up more. You saw how close men lived to the beast. You found out that people like Carcer were not mad. They were incredibly sane. They were simply people without a shield. They looked at the world and realized that all the rules didn't have to apply to them. Not if they didn't want them to. They weren't fooled by all the little stories. They shook hands with the beast. But he, Sam Vimes, had stuck by the badge. Except for that time uh, when even that hadn't been enough and he'd stuck by the bottle instead. He'd felt as he'd stuck by the bottle now. The world was spinning. 
Where was the law? There was the barricade. Who was it protecting from what? The city was run by a madman and his shadowy chums, so where was the law? Coppers liked to say that people shouldn't take the law into their own hands. They thought they should know what that meant. But they were thinking about the peaceful times, and men who went around to sort out a neighbor with a club because his dog had crapped too, too often on their doorstep. But at times like these, who did the law belong to? If it shouldn't be in the hands of the people, where the hell should it be? People who knew better? Then you got Winder and his pals, and how good was that? So just, like, right. he's always fighting this darkness. He's always fighting this, this like, urge to to just hurt people and to do horrible things, but the idea that he works for the law keeps him in check. And again, it's great in fiction. It's terrible as a, like, it doesn't work in real life, but this isn't real life. It's a fantasy book, so. If you've got the beast inside you, you probably should take some time off from your job, sort that out before you go back to your job, and maybe you shouldn't do that job anymore. But this is why Vimes is my favorite character in this series, and maybe my favorite character in all of fiction, because he's about someone with urges and impulses that are not healthy. Mm -hmm. He recognizes that, and it's a struggle every day. It's it's kind of literal in his addiction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's fairly literal in passages like this, but he's always, always fighting, and it's the urge to, to... kill Carcer near the end is so strong and he can't do it because mm-hmm. that's giving in to the beast. And I love all of that because I can relate to a lot of that. It's, it's you know, I don't feel murderous rage, but there's a lot of, you know, like... Bad actions. Yes. You want to bad, bad thoughts not manifesting as bad actions. No, but it's, there's so many opportunities in life to do bad things yes. when nobody would know. What would, yeah. who and cares? And Vime's whole deal, his whole arc is struggling to be a Mm -hmm. good person and then on top of that become a better person Mm -hmm. and i love that about him so much there's so many good things in here and we've seen uh him talk about the beast a little bit sort of in previous books yes um and it comes up hugely in thud which again my favorite one uh like it never goes away this this is something that vimes deals with and it's Mm -hmm. probably the root of his depression which led to his alcoholism and uh, but it's also the the second thoughts, which will come up in right. a later book with a different character. But the, the idea that he can step outside himself and look at that and recognize that is what makes him a good person, I right. think. You don't, just because you are bad doesn't mean you have to act bad. Right. And I like yeah. I like all of that. And that was my good thing, basically, is all the beast stuff and Vimes having to tame that and coming back and seeing his younger self mm-hmm. and being reminded... Like, oh, all he had to do was be nudged in the wrong direction a little bit. It wouldn't have taken much. And he would be like, because he's got that same thing inside me because it's me. And he needs someone like John Keel to say, dude, don't. And he showed him when they when they uh, go into the torture chamber thing. Mm-hmm. He, he makes him look to see what other like horrible people are capable of. And he shows him kindness and he shows him like how to defuse how to act a rough situation but specific things about being a cop and dealing with the public there's a wonderful sequence where the rest of the city's rioting and their little corner of the city isn't because he's got it under control and he knows what he's doing he opens the doors and he engages with people individually and he says don't take a sword out and threaten the mob outside you dummies that's how you're gonna get creamed yes that's um and that's all very good I like that a lot. There's, um, speaking of all of the beast stuff, mm-hmm. Carcer, who is like a murderous bad guy. There's yeah, not I much, suppose we should get into there's, that. There's not much to Carcer. He's just like a serial killer. Yeah. Like, 
Uh, but Vimes has never chased one of them before. No. And he's like, at one point, there's a there's a very clumsy passage mm-hmm. where Terry Pratchett said he's like, Vimes, only evil. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I got it already. You already you already showed why also, tell. not really. No, like, not really. Also, he's not like... He's supposed to be the beast without the, the, the you know, the fail safe. What he, like, something I did like about Carcer is uh, on the surface, he's like a jolly wink, wink, nudge, nudge mm-hmm. kind of criminal, like... Yep. Oh, you got me, governor. Ha ha ha. This mm-hmm. is all a game. Yep. Like that. But he's monst- He's a monster. He's, yeah. he's a murderer and he's like very bad. And I've got some problems with Stephen Briggs taking over from mm-hmm. Nigel Planner. I've said this before, doing the audiobooks. But the laugh. Carcer's supposed to have this laugh that just makes you want to hit him. Oh, it's irritating. And it's he does so it. so good. He does it very, very well. Like there's some things that I, I don't like mm-hmm. how he does, but he does that exceptionally well. And Carcer... Uh, is talking to one of the other characters about, like, young Vimes. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to kill young Vimes. He just needs... He just needs the right tutoring. And that's what would have happened if Vimes was pushed even just slightly in the other direction. And then we have a nice turnabout on that where uh, Vimes is fighting Carcer at the end and he, one of the reasons he doesn't kill Carcer is because young Sam Vimes is watching him from the past. Right. Which was... So good and such a nice, again, that that sort of circular, yep. bringing it back, but very graceful thing that Terry Pratchett does where you don't see it coming and it's so satisfying. Yes. And he does a lot of those things that would irritate me in anyone mm-hmm. else's hands, but especially this author now. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of the series, he, he wasn't quite there, but he absolutely can can do these things now and it's like wow you you know exactly what you're doing you know how mm-hmm. stories work better than anyone i've read before and there are these rhetorical tricks that you can learn how to write and are, that are used effectively by a lot of writers mm-hmm. but this is someone who has really studied the craft of writing and mm-hmm. the who knows how to really sort of bring it home and to hone a plot and a turn of phrase and he's so good at it and we saw a lot of that in this and that's where the time travel stuff really works is because he's taking us along with him so skillfully. But it's also so incidental. Like once he, like I said before, once he gets there, it doesn't matter. It it could just be a historical novel. Right. It could just be if if you stripped all that out, if you took out the bookends, right, and you just said this is the story of young Sam Vimes and John Keel, the guy who mentored him, right, and you took out the time traveling entirely, this would still be incredibly enjoyable and it would lose nothing, right. You just lose that element of Sam Vimes fighting his inner demons. It would just be John Keel fighting them, and one day you realize Sam Vimes will go through the same thing. And it's a little more personal this way. Yeah, because it is literally, like, it couldn't yeah, possibly you, be more personal. You take out the first 30 pages yeah. and the last 30 pages, and this could just be a historical... And then, like, two mentions of wizards. Yeah. Like... He goes to the university and yells, hey, can you send me back home? And they, they don't answer. Like, right, because they're it. all the murderous yeah. bastards from We're back the in times. Rincewind's early days yeah. where it's like everyone there wants to kill each other. Yeah. So that's fine. But it's, like to me, it's interesting that it could have just been a, like a Young Vimes mm-hmm. Chronicles novel and it still would have been almost like 90% as good, I would say. Another thing that sort of um, graded me a little bit in this is mm-hmm. uh, some of the... It felt sort of anti-communist. There some... were a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. So I know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you've seen this too, like from comedy, but also from literature, mm-hmm. probably you're way more skilled, you know, way more versed in that stuff than I am. But like uh, comedians uh, who came up like Python mm-hmm. right. and guys after Python, like uh, uh, Fry and Laurie, I think Mitchell and Webb touched on this mm-hmm. a bit, like all of those Cambridge, Oxford guys, 
love, love taking the piss out of revolutionaries right. and splinter groups and splinter splinter groups and like we're going to make things per- like communism doesn't work and these are all usually left-leaning mm-hmm. comedy people who suddenly are just like fuck communism and like where where does this come from and <laughs> and some... terry pratchett is just on board with yeah, the rest, more, th- those yeah. guys and i'm sure some of it is because you go to school with like when you're you know there are people that you go to school with that are exhausting Oh yeah, like, like a like a rich kid's, you yeah. know, uh, like a, like a rich person's kid who puts up a Che Guevara poster. And right. Actually, the most recent season of uh, Mrs. Maisel, yeah, did some good stuff with that, where you have like the um, the uh, Greenwich Village like, like uh, posers. revolutionary, yeah, yeah. total posers who mm-hmm. like want servants and mm-hmm. you know like the crust cut off of their sandwiches while they're leading the glorious revolution, but. There are earnest people and there's a lot of good stuff there and it's just sort of like made into a joke. Yeah, and there's we've seen that with um uh Red Shoe before. Yeah, I uh, will say for the first time yep. Reg isn't a total joke. He's actually a little sympathetic and yep. you feel kind of bad for him cuz he believes in this so much and mm-hmm. no one else does. Mm-hmm. Uh but we've got we so we we do have some of that again. I mean, I get I mean, I get it. I went to school with some people who thought they were going to be revolutionaries yeah. and who thought they were anarchists, but then they went home and their mom washed their clothes for yeah. them like you know, like I get it. Hypocrisy is hypocrisy no yeah. matter what side you're on and that's fine. But on the other hand, but it didn't feel like the message was hypocrisy is bad. No. It really felt like the message was um revolution is pointless. I think it was I mean, you're probably not yeah. wrong, but I I read it also to be Red Shoe wants the like the perfect mm-hmm. utopia. Sam Vimes is practical enough to know humans can't do utopia. Right. It's just going to be almost just like this, only slightly better. That's the best we can hope for, Reg. You need to you need to manage your expectations. I don't even a get my hard boiled egg. Yeah, I I did like that as Me part too. of the message. Like, and and it did let Reg have his moment. Where he really wanted, and you, like I said, for the first mm-hmm. time, he wasn't entirely the butt of the joke. And even even Vimes in text realizes, oh, I went too far. I insulted. I should not have insulted him. He really wants to help people. He really believes this stuff. And I was kind of a dick. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Reg. And we find out that the reason he's a zombie, that he rose from the dead, is because he believes so hard that he's got mm-hmm. this purpose. And I love that. I love that too. But I know, and this is sort of reading ahead. I know in later books. Reg becomes a joke again. He goes back to the being the punchline of like, oh, he's trying to unionize Uh, the watch. Yeah, or he's trying to uh, fight for undead rights. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, look, everybody wants their rights now. Yeah, they sure do. everyone wants their rights. Good. We saw Terry Pratchett coming around on a lot of stuff. I feel like he was starting to ride the wave and then life intervened, you know. Yeah, but like I say, it wasn't... It wasn't like, it didn't ruin the book for me. I love this book. It yeah. just felt tonally, that felt weird. It did. But again, I liked, I don't remember, I didn't remember Reg ever being sympathetic. Yep. I always remembered him being the butt of the oh, joke. Oh, so sad in this. And it's, it, for, yeah, it it was genuinely sad. There was, you're talking about that, that sort of moment. Um, mm-hmm. Vimes is making fun of Reg and then he, then Vimes realizes, oh no, I... I'm making this joke and Reg gets it. He's not stupid. Yeah. Like he's very sometimes, focused. Sometimes Vimes will let some pretty heavy sarcasm mm-hmm. go by because someone like Colum's never going to get, yeah. I'm not going to hurt his feelings. This one's for me. Yeah. But he's like, oh shit, Reg is no dummy. I 
he he got what I just said. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy in the room here necessarily. Maybe I should not be a dickhole to people. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a nice moment where he dialed it back yeah. and said, whoa, hey, I'm sorry, man. And that was nice. And then we have um, Ned Coates, who mm-hmm. is um, an actual revolutionary. Yes. Who is formulating plots and who is like yeah, really he, a, he is a guy one behind of, the scenes. Like he he's is, like a Sheikh of Era, like an actual Sheikh of Era type. He's one of the Watchmen under Vimes slash uh, uh, Cork. Peel's uh, command. And then realizes... Um, like Vimes has the moment like you have in every mm-hmm. Star Trek story and in every like every story. Uh, anyone who doesn't want to follow me, like to, don't walk mm-hmm. over this line. And he actually doesn't. And it's not because he's a dick and it's not because he's a bad guy. It's because he he disagrees with Vimes. Yeah. And, and they have a great moment near the end where they come to terms with that. Right. And it's like we're not we don't agree with each other. But right now we're fighting on the same side. And I like that. And he knows that Vimes isn't Keel yes. because he met like he, yeah, he trained the real keel. keel. Yeah, the real keel. Right, who was killed by Carcer when the two of them showed up from the future? So yeah, yeah, and so uh, Coates is actually a pr- like a kind of a pretty interesting character for someone who just sort of shows up and we never see. It yeah, I was gonna say again. he had potential, yeah. and there wasn't like I felt like there should have been a little more of him. Maybe the sequence where him and Vimes were fighting is very good. That is. And then the sequence when they fight together near yeah. the end is good, but I feel like maybe another beat of just getting inside his head a little bit. We could have used more of him, but I enjoy I enjoyed the character, and yeah. this, that's difficult for a character that we're, we've never you seen obviously before. know is yeah, yeah lives in the distant past yeah. and is probably long dead when we get back to where yeah. the rest of the books are set. I will say the same, and to a lesser extent, yeah. but I will say the same about Captain Tilden. Yep, who was this sad? Like he's the old captain. Who's like sort of? He was of... given this job as a pension, basically. Like he was a military captain, and they're like, right. "Okay, well, you can't be in the military; and you're too old. You can run the night watch." And but he's not temperamentally suited to it. No, he lets the sergeant yeah. run things, and he just basically sleeps in his office. Yeah, he's not a bad man, but no. he's not. He can't do this job. But there's a moment where Vimes, he knows mm-hmm. the new guy, especially back in these days, is gonna get like hazed or mm-hmm. worse. They're going to set him up as a thief in this mm-hmm. case that he stole some valuable thing from Tilden and put it in Vimes' locker to set him up. Yep. So Vimes is one step ahead of them and he goes in to the lockers and he, he makes that not happen. But part of fixing it without framing one of the other guys is making it look like Tilden is old and confused and he right. feels real bad about that. And it's painted in such a way like I wonder if Terry Pratchett's dementia was just starting to creep in here. Or and something, if he's, yep. like Because it was so... Like, for a second, I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe he's just starting to forget things right now. And maybe this is, you know, because we're getting into that serious and period, which I think is when he started. You Vimes know. talks about how he knows that as you get older, your memory gets worse. Yeah, he says it happened to him, too. It's yeah. starting to happen to him, too, but not to this extent. And so it could also be just that Terry Pratchett started having that kind of thing happen. Like everybody. Like I mean, I have does. a bad memory, yeah. too. It happens. But uh, I, you know, because Terry Pratchett... Mm-hmm. slid into Alzheimer's and then died. Like, it's possible, you know, five, ten books away from the end that maybe he was starting to... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But It could be, but it's... It was so heartbreaking. Yeah, and it, it was, was really sad. It was only a couple of paragraphs, but it was like, oh, that hurts. And then Tilden, once it turns out that things are getting out of control, he just sort of... Uh, steps he, down. He, he steps down. Yeah. But he's pressured to step down by... He doesn't like, fight it, though. No, he, he just gives up and goes well i'm losing it anyway so okay this is a younger man's game yep 
Um, we meet young Vetinari in the past. Oh yeah, let me um, I got a uh, a, my quote actually is a young Vetinari quote. Yeah, there's some uh, good stuff where he's so he's at the Assassins Guild, which we knew he studied there, mm-hmm. and we see him with young Lord Downey. Yep. Who later will be the head of the Assassins Guild. Um, and there's some good stuff there's there. Some, uh, yeah, there's some good stuff there. And we meet um, Madame Meserol, who mm-hmm. is... His aunt. His aunt. I'm not sure if he's, like... She's Literally his, his or, ne- her nephew or, or... Or just, like, she was his patron. Kind or, auntly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's actually... I wish she had been in it more. She's basically the revolution. Yeah, she's... She's basically, like, spearheading the whole change from one patrician to the other thing that's her whole thing and she is the one who actually makes it happen right um there's some really good scenes with her and i super super enjoy her yes um she's not in it that much now there's a lot of characters in the past that Mm -hmm. i feel like he he felt like to me Mm -hmm. it felt like he thought the book was crowded and so Mm -hmm. he chose two or three to focus on one or two new guys one or two guys we already knew and that was a good choice yeah. i think this book could have been really crowded because yes. it's another one there's of the a lot city of names books. yeah and there's a lot of places and there's a lot of like things and and he... in a lot of his other city books we already know all the characters so yeah. it doesn't feel so crowded in this he was introducing people well the watch has like very... 10 guys yeah or giving us the young versions of them which yep. weren't exactly the same so well we hardly spent any time with young colon which i understand because we spent yeah. some time with young navi which was a better choice, I yeah. think. I, I enjoyed a lot of the Young Nobby stuff. I thought that was Me too. good. It was yeah. a good, like, of course that's what he was. Yeah. He was an urchin. Yep. And he was still scamming then. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, like, uh, the uh, madam, they call mm-hmm. her most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand why she was sort of sidelined with mm-hmm. just about everyone else because it's just so many things. But we did get some choice bits with Young Vetinari, which, yeah. is, which is what you were talking about with your quote. So um, this is... Uh... He has done some reconnaissance work, mm-hmm. and he's come back to sort of report. Uh, and so Madame Mesrol says, You've missed a bit, said the figure. It produced a lilac-colored handkerchief, held it in front of the young man's face. Spit, came the command. Reluctantly, he did so. A hand wiped his cheek and then held the cloth up to the light. Dark green, said the woman. How strange. I understand, Havelock, that you scored zero in your examination for stealthy movement. May I ask how you found that out, madam? Oh, one hears things, Madam said lightly. One just has to hold up money to one's ear. Well, it was true, said the assassin. And why was this? The examiner thought I'd use trickery, Madam. And did you? Of course, I thought that was the idea. And you never attended his lessons, he said. Oh, I did, religiously. He says he never saw you in any of them. Havelock smiled. And your point, Madam, is? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a bit where... So young Downey mm-hmm. is harassing him because he's reading a book mm-hmm. about tigers. Yeah. And it's a picture book. It's it's about camouflage mm-hmm. and about how and, and there's a whole bit yep. about how wearing black is it looks cool, but that's not the best way to hide in the no. shadows. And it's it's from this book and there's a great passage about Downey burns, mm-hmm. like throws it in the fire because he's harassing Vetinari. Because he's a dick. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Because he's a dick. I am positive mm-hmm. Vetinari of the present is making Lord Downey's like fucking miserable yep. now. And Downey might have forgotten, but Vetinari mm-hmm. doesn't. Vetinari, at the very end of the book, figures out what happened with Vimes and, and mm-hmm. Keel and says to him, yeah, I just filed it away. 
And I'll figure it out. Today I figured it out. 30 years he's just sort of been noodling it was at a mystery. it. mystery. Today I got the answer. That's the kind of man he is. He is very patient. He'll mm-hmm. figure it out. But the book gets burned and he's like, yeah, there's three copies. I had mm-hmm. them all bound up and hidden in a book labeled uh, Secrets of the Accountants, right. which I feel like the author would have appreciated. That's a very good, like, yeah. No, and the author, it turns out, uh, died uh, and they talk about his grave and his grave is in the belly of a tiger, mm-hmm. which... The tiger he did not see, which he would have appreciated. Yes. It's very good. No, there's some good irony yeah. there, which I quite like. Um, so we also meet young uh, Dibbler, and I thought we were out of the Dibbler era. Never out of the Dibbler era. This is the most likable he's been. I still don't care about him, mm-hmm. but he's he's part of the revolution. He's not irritating. He's not trying to get no, rich off anyone. He's passing messages through his pies. But that said... <sighs> There is one of those time oh travel boy. things I don't like, which is Vimes gives him the idea to say, and that's cutting me own throat. And yeah. it's like, oh, come on. Enough. Not funny. Not where, funny. Where did it come from in the first place then? Like all the other stuff right. works so naturally because Keel could have done it or Vimes. But in this case, it's like, no, come on. You can't. That's a that's a paradox. You can't do mm-hmm. that. Um, and we also meet young Mrs. Palm, she's right. called in the present. Rosie. Who is the head of the... Well, yeah. Ro- and you know that joke, right? Yeah. Rosie Palm and her daughters. Yeah. That's like jerking off. Um, so back in the past, she's just Rosie. Right. And... She's another revolutionary. Which I like. Yep. And we know the Seamstresses Guild will become a big deal yep. later on. And it's nice to see... And that's why she's part of the revolution is she yes. wants to Further get a their guild yeah. for the Seamstresses. Yeah. And... Uh, Take care of her women. And Vime says to her, like... You know this isn't going to happen with this, like, because because yeah. Vetinari gives like yeah, but Vetinari's not going to be in charge for another twenty yeah. years. Um, and so Vime says, you know, this isn't going to happen with this guy, but that's why she's doing it, and mm-hmm. that's why her and all of the other ladies are doing this is to get a guild. And there's a nice little bit of comedy mm-hmm. where a real seamstress, a legit needlewoman, needlewoman, yeah, comes. And offers her services and doesn't get what they're up to for about five minutes. She's not stupid. Nope. She just didn't know. Once she learned, she's like, okay, but can I still stay and do my thing? Like, it's not like they're keeping it from her. She figured it out. Because that would be a less good way to go is to just have her oblivious the whole time. No, she knew. And there's a good bit where Rosie says it's a little embarrassing because she makes more money yes because well it ends there, up there's no seamstresses there's in the such cities. a good shtick and it's it's legit funny but yeah. in a natural organic way yep. where it's like she provides a service that a lot of widowers in mm-hmm. particular can't do for themselves and you think oh, i'm not oh, used okay. to doing it to my, okay. doing it for get, myself and it's sewing their socks and yep. stuff it's like oh that's very good but this brings me to my bad thing yes there are a lot a lot of jokes at the expense of sex work oh, boy. from yeah. Sam Vimes. Like saying real shitty things. He owes her some money for a cab ride and yeah. he says, I'll leave it on the nightstand. And it's all shit. Like It's yeah. all like it's in just as poor taste as the fat jokes are in Agnes yeah. books and stuff like that. It's like, where does this come from, man? Like one or two cheap jokes also... from shitty people is fine. But from Vimes? It doesn't seem in character for Vimes. That's what I'm saying. If If you meet one of these corrupt watchmen who's taking bribes right. and says some shitty things about them. You get one or two of your jokes in and you paint him as being a bad guy, but Vimes keeps at it the whole time. The whole time. And it's like, what's wrong with you, man? You know these people in the present. They're good people. You, yeah, and he and Why Rosie would you shame them? gotten on quite well. I think like, so. I don't remember them having there, interactions. They probably There's did. a couple of... It's minor, but there's a couple ones where Rosie actually helps keep Vimes in power because... Like, I do remember yeah. off, like, I don't remember them interacting directly. Yeah. I do remember her voting for, you know. Yeah. 
Like Whatever. she's pro veterinary and she's yeah. pro vimes and but, he's being kind of shitty to her here. Yeah, and for no reason. Yeah. Like it's just to take the cheap shot. It's mm-hmm. not because he's got something against her. It's no. not because he's a prude. It's not because of anything like that. It's, it's weird. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's there's a lot of it. Yeah. It's a lot like I said, it's a lot like the fat jokes in, in And just Agnes like a books. couple of the fat like a couple of the fat jokes, a couple of the sex like the tasteless jokes are funny because Terry Pratchett can construct. Oh, he knows a how joke. to make a joke, yeah. But it's one of those times where you laugh and you're like, "Oh, wait, uh, no." Yeah. I take that laugh back. That sucks. Fuck me. One of the things I like about this, like this uh, mm-hmm. pseudo utopia, not really, mm-hmm. but in some ways, like an improvement on our society is sex work is decriminalized and it's just a job. They have a guild and they're protected and they're they have a voting voice mm-hmm. in like you know we're dealing with. A city that's supposed to be in uh, Middle Ages slash Renaissance right. slash Industrial Revolution, and women are already like they already have a vote, right? Which is way more than actual Western society had, and so it's it it's in that regard better. So it's not it doesn't seem to be Terry Pratchett's position that women are less than or sex work deserves to be, you know. No, and Ankh-Morpork is based some of it's based on Seattle. And uh, I just the just the architecture a little the... a little bit the seamstress thing yeah that does a, come is, from here yeah is a Seattle thing and one of the reason that Seattle is even like a city is because one of the like the uh, the madams of the time put a ton of money into the city yes. and money and time and effort and energy and it wouldn't exist yeah we're like a we're like a port place yeah. where a lot of sailors would put in and and visit sex workers and. But this city would not exist, yeah. and nor would Ankh-Morpork. Yeah. No, I, I. it's weird. Like I said, it's weird that the author would take that position when he seems pretty okay with all of that. Yeah, it just, it felt, it was it was weird, and it felt like he was looking for an excuse to use some of these jokes he'd thought up, but he didn't. And did again, it, yeah. just put him in the mouth of somebody who's shittier, yeah. not our hero, which most of them were. And uh, that kind of brings us to, to a character in the past that I mostly like. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Lawn. So Dr. Lawn is, they call him a pox doctor. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that he specializes in women's health. (laughs) Well, VD, because he also fixes their clients. Yeah, and abortion. Yes. Um, He is... Which is, the word abortion isn't used, but it's made very clear. Sometimes he's got to get in and take care of some things. And um, Vimes is being shitty about this, too. A little bit, yeah. And uh, he says, oh, well, you take care of these issues for the, like, the the ladies of negotiable affection and Dr. Lon looks at him and he's like no those ladies it's more preventative this is for other women you right. dickhole yeah and Lon's a Lon's a very enjoyable character he reminds me very much of Bones yeah. from Star Trek cuz he's he wants to help people his heart's in the right place mm-hmm. but he's also kind of out on the outside a bit mm-hmm. of a bristly bastard which I like and he's always grumbling that mm-hmm. someone needs his help, but he's never not helping. He just, he complains about it while he does it. Right. And, and then he complains that Vimes hasn't beaten anyone up in a while and he's got no one to patch up. When when the riots are supposed to be mm-hmm. happening and Vimes is preventing them, mm-hmm. he's like, I got all these beds ready and I boiled all the water and I have hot tar and all the, all the stuff ready. Where are all the bodies I was promised, man? So it doesn't matter what you do. Lon's always going to grumble about it. Yeah. He's a very enjoyable character. I, I really like the good-hearted cynic. Yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite kinds of character. And there's a lot of good bits about Vimes uh, early on. Mm-hmm. Like, 
he beats someone up and then brings him to Lon and Lon like asks questions and yeah. there's a lot of good back there, and forth between There's them. some funny bits, the the good dialogue. Lon keeps up like mm-hmm. he's again someone who is equal or greater intelligence than Vimes. Vimes who... only has a very small handful of true allies mm-hmm. in the past. People that he can 100% right. rely on to help him and Lon is one of them. Yeah. He's great. And uh Stephen Briggs gives him this great sort of light Scottish lilt, yep. like your like your classic in an English show. You got mm-hmm. your Scottish doctor, right? He's very good, but this kind of leads into your bad thing. Yeah. So my bad thing's not Doctor Lon, the character. No, the character's great. Character's great. I enjoyed the character. Yeah. He's I think we're on char- the same page yeah, there. New character that we've never seen before, and we'll see again, but only as a teeny tiny little bit. Um, he mostly exists. in memoriam. Like there's a thing named for him later. Yeah, on. but he he. he like we a little tiny bit, but this is pretty well, much his. We main talked about show. in the past there being a good mix of people yeah. we already know and new people, and he's one of the good new people. But we brought this new character in who we both yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. But it brings us to this weird sort of problematic area, and this is not an area of my expertise, uh, and so I am probably going to misspeak. This is an area of feminism that I don't study that much uh probably you're not personally impacted by it probably i don't care that much about children so yeah that's but obviously problem obviously feminism should look after women who are in any state of motherhood whatsoever yes but for for me it was never something that i really sort of like boned up on of course not but so if i misspeak about this i apologize this is stuff that i've read but it's not my like always yeah we're trying our best yeah we may misspeak and if you know if you want to if you want to lightly correct us please do yeah two cis white guys sitting in a room we're We're, trying yeah Mm -hmm. but so we have um we haven't even talked about this at all sybil's pregnant and she's having a baby well it's the bookend story yeah. so it's barely it's barely a part of it that's that's ostensibly the peril right the what like not really but it's like i was saying before there's no real stakes except he's got to get home to his wife who is very pregnant and yep. maybe in danger who knows and so um it turns out that she is having um a hard time of the birth because she's like 50. Yeah, we've talked like, about she's talked yeah. about this. She's like we're built for birthing. Yeah. But also, yeah, she's she's pretty old, especially when you consider they yeah. don't have modern surgical techniques yet. Uh so she has been working with Mrs. Contents who is like a a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um and it turns out that Mrs. Contents doesn't know anything about anything mm-hmm. and Vimes brings in Lawn at the end to save Sybil's life. Yeah. Now, if this was a story about how um, med- like we needed to do more medicine-y type stuff, I could probably kind of go along with that. Yeah. But it really felt like, oh, no, get out of the way. A dude's going to Get out of here, you silly girl. This this man is a serious scientist. Yeah. Yeah. It did feel like it, that to me as well. It felt like... They, and that felt, that felt weird and bad. And back in the olden times like not back in fantasy times no no, no no such thing no but back in olden times uh, the midwives tended to know more what they were doing and the doctors came in and killed a lot of patients because doctors didn't have the first fucking clue about anything no but it's uh, but particularly gynecology and, yes. and obst- obstetrics and all of that sort of thing because they, also they weren't that interested yeah that's what i'm saying that's not important work yeah, women were largely disposable so who yeah. cares yeah if you die in childbirth oh well he'll get another wife he'll yeah. have more kids exactly yeah. so that felt that felt weird and it felt like a weird place for terry pratchett to like be putting it also, his weight it also adds to the impression that i've gotten over time 
my memory, and I've said this before, of Sybil is that she is a huge part of these books yeah. and she's a major character and she barely has anything to do. In this book where she is near death because of her complicated pregnancy mm-hmm. and then gives birth to Sam Vimes' son, mm-hmm. she has maybe 10 lines of dialogue. She's if not- that, she's she's a plot point. She's a, she's a prop. And she's not a character in this at all. It's We're following Vimes and it's Vimes' experience... Of the pregnancy. Yeah. Which... Pacing outside the waiting room like your your typical man in an old movie. And I'm not saying there's nothing to be said about sort of the the terror and disconnectedness of not being involved in a birth, especially back in the stupid ages where the dude wasn't supposed to come in, which is terrible. Yeah, and the, and the whiplash of, yeah. I was just in a revolution that changed mm-hmm. this city and also chased a, a serial killer, and I could, I could do something mm-hmm. there. Here... And this isn't how he wrote it. No. It's how he could have written it. Here, the most personal thing, the most important thing, I can't do anything about. I can't stop the revolutionaries. I can't stop the... I, 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 don't, can, I don't I can have do that. this knowledge. I can stop the serial killer. Yeah. I don't know how to help my wife birth our son because I don't know. But I can't help here. And that's not, not how even it was written. In, and he's not even in the room sort of no. like... Uh, he's running there. around getting yeah. help, he's, yeah. which is what he does. But... but she feels like a prop. Yep. And I'm so disappointed because, like I said, my memory was of this great character and the bits we get of her are good. But in this book, she's nothing. Nope. And then, yeah, then we have Lon pushing in and, like, being an important man. And I didn't care for that. No. And, you know, again, I can see it from what you were saying. Yeah. Like, he is the man of science. And, yeah, some midwifery, I, I guess, could could be seen as, like, like the Magrat stuff. Like, yeah. the herbal you know, pray to the gods and rub but this herb or whatever. But who would you rather have, like, some fumbling scientist who doesn't know what the fuck's going on or Nanny Og? Like, well, right. You know? But I don't think I don't think Mrs. Content is a witch is the thing. No, but that's what I'm saying. Mrs. Content, and it turns out that, she, like, she doesn't know what she's doing or yeah. whatever, but she's been midwifing for quite some time. Yeah. So, like... It, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't work. It might have... If it had been more clear, like maybe if Mossy had been a chick, which there's no reason. Dr. No, Lawn is Mossy. Yeah, yes. Mossy Lawn. There's no reason that uh, that character couldn't have been a woman. Especially um, since he worked mostly for uh, for the seamstresses. Yeah. It could have just been because my first thought is, well, maybe back then there weren't a lot of lady doctors. But on the other hand. This is in fantasy times. But apart from that, the more like. The seamstresses would be more receptive mm-hmm. to a lady doctor. Like, you you have it in there. Whereas, like, if you had a doctor that f- associated mostly with the watch, you right. could say, like, well, no, he's definitely painted some gender politics in the history mm-hmm. of this city. But you have an escape hatch right there. You could make that work. And then it could be science versus, like, old superstition stuff. Which yeah, I could kind of, Yeah, which I could, I could kind of get behind. Yeah. But this felt very, like... Like this isn't woman's work. This is important. Yeah. It needs to be a it needs to be a man doctor. Yeah, and I I don't love that. I do like apart from that, mm-hmm. that Lon helped him in the past and he went and got him and you know, like I also like that Lon figured it out immediately. It's like, Oh, John Keel, how you doing? Yeah, you were mm-hmm. dead, but now you're not. And yeah. And just like Vetinari, yep. he just got it. Yep. Yep. Just filed it away mm-hmm. and figured it out. I also like every time he comes to the door, he's holding some ridiculous yep. apparatus, and the payoff to that is at the end when Vimes comes to mm-hmm. get help for this, and he's got a giant syringe. He's like, "What? What were you gonna do what with that? What could you possibly do well, with that?" As it happens, I was making a turkey. It's so good, very, very good. funny. Yep, very good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's about all I have. What about you? Um, I feel like oh, we got all the main stuff. We got all the main stuff. Um, there's a couple other things I sort of wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, we met the like the officers like the um military officers mm-hmm. and so we met young rust who was oh yeah terrible. lord rust who is the closest thing vimes has to an arch nemesis mm-hmm. has come up in jingo and yep. i think at least one other one he's just like terrible he's terrible and that was very enjoyable like seeing yes. young him was very enjoyable and then we also met some good officers like some uh yes i like guys that. so it wasn't just like every like these are all clowns what a bunch of clowns no i and Terry Pratchett's guilty of this early mm-hmm. in his in his uh, series where it's like everyone around Vimes is an idiot right. and Vimes is the only one who's got his head on straight and it's like no now he's a nuanced enough author that he can start saying and Vimes even has the moment himself where he's like some of these guys are intelligent they're just following mm-hmm. orders and they need to look past that uh, another thing i liked was um young bully Downey calls Vetinari dog botherer, mm-hmm. uh, which Vetinari goes on to say, if you've got the name Vetinari, you should be dog bother. You should be so lucky as to be called dog bother. I didn't, I, I didn't like that. I, I thought did. that was hanging a lantern on what was already kind of a nice, jo- like Vetinari is a pun on Medici. Mm-hmm. It's instead of medical, it's veterinary. Right. And it's just pointing, eh, you get it? I thought it veterinary? was Veterinary, eh, it just felt too, like, I don't know. I liked it as a subtle thing that mm-hmm. you might get, you might not, but he was just, it bothered him after 10 books that you didn't get the joke yet, and he had to point it out some other way. I you still know what thought I'm it was funny. Yeah. I right. also enjoyed Ridcully's dick flapping around. <laughs> that was a good bit of business. Yeah, there's a whole whole sequence where he uh, gets out of the bath. And he puts a hat on his he head. He puts his hat on. Because wizard equals yeah, hat. And realizes there are lady watchmen present mm-hmm. when... Uh, all the business is going on. It's like, uh, Stibbins, give me your hat. And yep. puts it over his dick. And then Stibbins won't put the hat back on, even mm-hmm. though Wizard no, equals God hat. No. And then later, yeah. um, Vimes comes back from the past yep. naked. Mm-hmm. Just dick flapping around, mm-hmm. just like uh, Claude Rains mm-hmm. in, in The Invisible Woo! Man. Which, if you haven't seen the 1933 Invisible Man, there's a so lot good. of open talk about him being naked and just flapping around and he runs around in just his shirt tails look at me i'm not wearing pants (laughs) yes it's very good so funny so Uh, there was one more thing yes uh when i could talk about this book forever me too but we need to we need to start moving on um there's a bit when lord winder dies and Mm -hmm. you tell me if you think this is what this is um is when he dies, yes. like when they kill him. Um, Lord Winder got to his feet and looked up at the black-clad figure. Another one? Where did you creep in from? I do not creep. Winder's mind felt even fuzzier than it had over the past few years, but he was certain about cake. He'd been eating cake and now there wasn't any. Through the mists, he saw it, apparently close, but when he tried to reach it, a long way away. Certain realization dawned on him. Oh, he said. Yes, said Death. Not even time to finish my cake? No, there is no more time, even for cake. For you, the cake is over. You have reached the end of cake. Which I thought was funny. Do you think that's an Eddie Izzard reference? Cake or death? Maybe. Death is here. Maybe. You don't get cake because you get death. Because you get death. That's Maybe. I don't know, but it... it it's was... funny without yeah. that, but that made it funnier it to me. It seems plausible. Yeah, I yep. think... Eddie Izzard had done that bit by this point. I wish the annotations for these were more robust. Yeah, L-Space starts drying up around now, and for the last five books, there's nothing. And there's a bunch of stuff in this that I was curious about. Well, I know there's a lot of Les Mis stuff in here. Well, there's a lot of Les Mis. Okay, so we need to start wrapping up. Yes. But uh, with the Les Mis stuff, Mm -hmm. um, it's 
Isn't it just Carcer thinks he's... Valjean? Yeah. Uh, n- no, because we've got... Lemise is about a detective who's like doggedly... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and so there's that. But this is... The whole point of that is that... Like of Lemise is that justice can't be sort of like the written word. You have to have right. the spirit of the law too. Right, right, right. And in this, it's weirdly sort of painting the cop as the like the good right. guy, which is so maybe it's not a reference to that. Maybe uh, people are just reading into it. No, no, it is like the there's the loaf of bread thing. Um, yeah, but I don't think Lemise invented that. I think it popularized it. But I think that's an old this, story. This was about a policeman doggedly. No, I know like, that much. I think this was a lot okay. about Lemise, but All I right. thought that the messaging was a little weird. So like when Orson Welles adapted yeah. Kafka's. Uh, uh, What's the one? The trial. Yeah. And made the, the state, state the, the good, good guy. Yeah. Yes. Also, there's a song about Lemise uh, talking about the revolution. It's like, it was about the French Revolution, but not the popular one that you've heard about. Another one you probably haven't heard much about. Mm-hmm. That's what this is, too. And I, I, I right. think of that every time I read this. Right. Okay. Anything else? Oh, so many things, but let's move on or else I'm just going to keep talking. Very well. Well, we found a few decent... What we did was we found almost none because this yes. book is so serious. There are a couple of bits of levity. Basically, wizard hat, wizard dick hat is about it. I loved wizard dick hat. It made yeah, me but there's really so few. I'm dumb. There's so few moments like that. But so we basically highlighted all three of the ones that jumped out at us. Um, um I'll do this one first. Okay. Um, not for me, but here's some advo- advice, boy. Don't put your trust in revolutions. They always come around again. That's why they're called revolutions. Yeah, that's that's pretty <laughs> terrible. Good. This was actually a good one, and it's also a good Vimes is a class traitor thing because, you know, we always love this. Right. He got rid of most of the plumes and the stupid tights and ended up with a dress uniform that at least looked as though its owner was male, which I don't love. Um, but the helmet had gold decoration, and the bespoke armor uh, armorers had made a new gleaming breastplate with useless gold ornamentation on it. Sam Vimes felt like a class traitor every time he wore it. He hated being thought of uh, as one of those people that wore stupid ornamental armor. It was guilt. By association. Oh, very good. Uh-huh. And then there was a third one. Finally. We don't have to read. The, if you want to read it, yeah, you can. I'm going gonna, gonna, okay. to highlight Very it. well. So finally, uh, this is right after Downey throws the book into the fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says, for a moment, the tiger burned brightly. Yeah. Uh, Which is not exactly. Not exactly a pun. Yeah, no, but it is wordplay. It is play on words. But so. those were like. That was mostly it as far as puns mm-hmm. go, but they were some pretty strong puns. Also, I hate that poem so much. I like it. I do not like it. All right. So for our cliche count, mm-hmm. uh, light on most of them, two gingerlies, no susurrations, no surreptitious, nothing happened to other people, but a whopping eight quantums because time travel. Time travel, That's yeah. going to happen yeah. because quantum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's it. Grades? Grades. Yes. A plus. I love this book. It's really? Not per- it's not perfect. There are things I don't like about it, but I love reading it. Now, let me ask you this yes. without necessarily spoiling anything. Are there other Discord books in the series that you will also give an A plus yes. to? Okay. So this, this is this well, is one of them. Okay. That's fair. I give it an A. Like, I like it a lot, but between some of the problems that we mm-hmm. called out and the fact that it is, like, it's not quite as funny, and I like... I like that it's serious. I like all the stuff that it talks about. I love the Sam Vime stuff. But my favorite thing that he does is when he manages to do all of the mm-hmm. things we talked about and also mix in some very good comedy. There's just so much to gnaw on in this book. I yes. think about this book a lot. Yeah, this I know. one, This one really sort of 
captured me. The stuff that he does in this, he does slightly better in Thud for me, mm-hmm. which we will get to soonish. Um, but for instance, the very next book, which sets me up nicely, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is the first uh, Tiffany Aching book. Yeah. Uh, which we'll be covering with our friend Tidro. Oh, it's so good. Is very character driven, mm-hmm. deals with a lot of pretty complex themes, Fuck especially for a, for a young adult book. But it's also very funny. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying when he gets the formula more like more mixed is what I like. like and creepy. I don't mind a serious book at all, mm-hmm. to be clear. I didn't dislike it. It's just my very favorite thing he does is Nation all of them wasn't together. funny. I know, but that one also was more powerful to yeah. me. We'll talk about that at some point. Uh, is that everything? I mean, no, I could yes, go on. But and is on. that everything? We should, we have to stop. Yes. So, again, next time, um, what is the first Tiffany Aching book? I do not have it in front of me. Tiffany Aching's Aching Adventures. The We Free Men. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the We Free Men. All right, that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019 and 2021. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.